Well, welcome to Blazing Fire. Yeah. And welcome to, uh, to our conference with Leif Hetland. So how many of you were here last night? Yay. Many of you. And I welcome the ones that are new here today, too. You're not get, you're uh, you're going to get a, a good a good good feast tonight and this afternoon, and I'd like to invite our speaker, our guest, our friend, our papa, a papa of the house, Leif Hetland. You turn up the lights too. It is sometimes hard to talk, and uh, especially when you've been drinking deeply, and uh, the, the weight of his presence and the weight of his glory is in this place. And I was just thinking about it for a few moments, that uh, uh, as a young Baptist pastor, I remember we had these prayer meetings in the back room where uh, one guy, his name was <coughs> Oscar Nurheim. One was Olaf Anders, and that's Norway. I mean, Norwegian names, very normal. Oscar Nierheim and Olaf Andersen and Esther Mikalsen, these beautiful, wonderful people. One was 81, one was 80, and one was 78 years old. They were in there, and they were just with tears. They were just praying. And one of them had been praying for 50 years, the other one for 45 years, just going to the same prayer meeting, just crying out for the very thing that we are experiencing here. And I was just uh, thinking about that, that there's people, as I'm saying, that uh, they would travel across the world. They would do anything to be able to experience it, just even a fraction of the presence that we have in this room. And so, Father, we just want to honor your presence, your manifest presence. We thank you for the sweetness and the aroma of the presence of the Almighty God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are here and you are alive. And when Jesus is being lifted up, he is drawing all men near to himself. I thank you for the divine exchange that took place on the cross. I thank you, Jesus, that you took our sin and as a result, we are righteous. You took the F that we had on our report card and you gave us an A+. You took our shame so that we are glorified. You took our sickness and disease, so by your stripes we are healed. But also what you did, you, uh, you recognized according to John 14, 18, that I, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. You realize that we have become an orphan world with a lot of orphanages. Who orphans was together, they did not know Papa God. They did not know how to get back into the garden again. So then uh, there was the cry, uh, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And then eventually Jesus himself, as the ultimate son, he became an orphan so that you and I can be sons and daughters. 
So Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. Father, Father, why have you forsaken? For a short period of time, he was separated from love. He was separated from his father so that you and I can be restored back again to fullness. So you and I can be restored back again to the garden where we can hear his voice, where we can see his face, where we can feel his love, where we can experience his presence and live in his pleasure. Eden means delight or pleasure. And then to live a lifestyle, a, a culture of habitation. And then from that very environment that we can start to expand and express and then start to create an Eden in our home, in our businesses, wherever we go. It's just to start to plant a piece of Eden. So I just thank you for that. And uh, I'm just uh, overwhelmed by your goodness and your kindness and your love. I thank you for the, this incredible, incredible family. And even for the few people that are hungry here in this room today. And I thank you that uh, blessed are the one that hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because they are going to be fed. So just come Holy Spirit. Whoa. <laughs> A little bit more. Whoa. <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh. More. Whoa. Go deeper. <laughs> oh. mm. Holy, holy, holy. Hmm. I thank you for the hard work of rest. More. More. Increase. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Not a measure, but fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need some strength, and it's called joy. <laughs> so, Father, yes. <laughs> Whoa. You're, you're always full of love. You're always full of joy. You're always full of peace. You're so patient. You're so kind. Whoa. But as you are, so are we. Whoa.
Thank you, Father, that we get to live during the greatest time that the world has ever seen. What has been dreamed of for over 2,000 years. We are the only generation that has ever lived whoa, since uh, since Jesus walked on this earth that can see the finish line. We're the only generation that have had an opportunity to enter into the fullness of time. I thank you for the restoration. I thank you for Martin Luther, who in 1517 just received this amazing revelation that was willing to pay a price. And as a result of that, we are so grateful here that we are saved by grace. It is not by works. And it's by faith alone. I thank you for people there like Seymour and other people there in 1906 in a little warehouse and outside Los Angeles in California for a group of people that was there that paid a price because they knew there was something more. And I thank you for a major outpouring of the Holy Spirit and how that's not spreading in the world and the nine out of ten people being saved in the world. The Word and the Spirit is together. I thank you for the restoration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's always been around and so have Jesus. But now the revelation of him is just, whoa, waves and waves and waves are sweeping across the wall. But then I thank you for you, Papa. They were living in this beautiful agape reformation. And we're right in the middle of the birth of a new reformation. Where the world is about to see that we are his disciples because we've learned how to love well. We love one another. But if we're going to love one another, we have to learn how to love ourselves. And for me to love me, I need to know how much my papa loves me. And I thank you, Father, for the, just, just the way that you are embracing us in this season and just giving us a look and saying, wow, that's my girl. That's my boy. <laughs> when we start to see ourselves the way that you see us. We start to feel about ourselves the way that you feel about us. We start to think about ourselves the way that you think about us. And then we start to speak about ourselves the way that you speak about us. And as a result, then he says, you're not going to do just the same thing that I did, but even greater things. I thank you for this agape reformation. It's going to be a tsunami wave of love that is going to sweep across the wall. And the wall is going to know that we are his disciples because of this kind of a love. So, Father, I thank you that you are teaching us how to love, how to love without an agenda. But even that we start to love ourselves, to be kind to ourselves. Whoa. To be able to look in the mirror and see and say, wow, I need to give that person a hug. <laughs> I need to be kind in the way I speak to that person because it's very valuable. It's made in the image of God. There's a reflection of Papa God that is in that person. So, Father, even then, this afternoon, as we spend about a good hour together, and it's more a heart-to-heart with life, and we just, where I get an opportunity just to be able to connect, connect people with heaven, and then heaven connect with you. And for you to have an encounter that leads to transformation, and then let it be a renewal of our minds, so that making sure that Romans 12, 2, that we get the renewal that is needed to be able to sustain and steward that encounter.
what is the one thing that you desire? What is the one thing that you long for? What are you asking for? What are you longing for? What is your number one need? I just want you to just meditate on that for a few moments because we are in an environment right now and we've seen it so many different times. Just I'm just sharing something while we are just resting here. Uh, I remember so clearly we were at Castle Rock, Colorado in one of my favorite churches there with my friend J.R. Polemus. It's a nice mega church, but late that night... Uh, Rodney, his armor bear, came up with a cell phone. He ran up to the front. It was this environment. And he just got the news before that my mom has breast cancer. And they have to quickly take her to the hospital. And, and they're about to remove her breast on Tuesday. But in that environment, he just hold up the phone. And the presence of God, we were in Colorado. She lived in California. And the presence of God just hit her. And it was like a fire. And then in the next moment, all the cancer just disappeared. And then from California, it spread because when she went into high school cafeteria, she walks into high school cafeteria, and there's a lady that's about to remove both of her breasts because of breast cancer. But she didn't even say anything, but she just came in contact with the same presence, with the same person. His name is Jesus, without even saying anything. But she had been in touch with something, an aroma of something that touched and changed the environment. And this lady, she got totally healed from cancer. And on the top of it, she also got saved afterwards. I know, I, I know some people think they need to get saved before they can get healed. But many times when we are ministering, we're ministering healing and they experience the goodness and it leads to repentance. And I'm asking God in this season, is there any area that where you and I, God, uh, if there's any area where we are seeing things or thinking about things where I see things a little bit differently than you, uh, I give you the total right to adjust my vision and my earring, my ears, my lips, and even my feet where I walk. And uh, some of us, we do not realize that deception is very deceiving. And sometimes we've been abnormal for so long that when the normal happens, we think it is abnormal. It was just taking me back because a couple of weeks ago I was with Christopher Olson, who is an associate pastor. I'm just warming up my voice again. But Christopher Olson, he is uh, uh, the associate pastor at Heartland Assembly of God Church in Ankeny, Iowa. And I remember so clearly because it just happened two weeks ago. So there's something stirring now in my spirit. And that was, I was on the phone with Christopher a few years back. And while I was on the phone with Christopher, suddenly it's like, Christopher, Christopher. And he was gone. And I didn't know what happened. I was like, that was rude. He just hanged up or bad signal or something. And I tried to call him back, but it was impossible. And then later on, I found out that just the presence, similar to what we have here, you just think about something and it's happening. That's when you're in the right environment. Light penetrates darkness, but the glory of God penetrates gross darkness. And when we are learning to getting into a realm of the glory of God, you see things differently. You can go to places, you can do things. You can lean your hearts towards someone and something takes place without you even having to be there. So we started to learn that earlier. That was my first major encounter with this. So Christopher, I didn't know that he had an encounter. We were just we were just talking on the phone and I just felt the presence in the car there. And then in the next moment, I found out that he fell off his chair and he ended up on the floor. When he came up on the floor, he was wondering what hit me. 
And then he just walked by his secretary. And as he walked by the secretary, uh, because his shadow was now overshadowed by what just happened. And she fell off the chair. When he came into the staff meeting, the presence of God hit the whole staff. And all of them were out for over two hours. And that started something in the beginning of a revival. And it was a fire that took place. So when I arrived there, I was going to do meetings. And when we came up there, I didn't have to try to see if people wanted to come to the meeting and call people or Facebook people. The house was full. There was actually a long line outside when I was coming. I thought, this is rare. Because the rumor started to say, God is in the house. And I, I don't know, but I just remember the longing for that. And then in the next moment when we came in there, the presence of God was there. The glory was there. I say the meeting was so good that many times I couldn't preach. You couldn't say anything. We were all just out. Uh, I remember one time Pastor David Olson, that's his brother, Christopher's brother, the senior pastor there. But he, he, he was going to introduce me. The power of God knocked him over, knocked me over. And we just kept us glued to the floor for the next hour. But nobody else could move. But then we started to hear about knee replacement. I remember one boy, he comes and he cries and he says, I have my father on the phone and he has Alzheimer's. He is in Arkansas. Can you pray? We didn't have to pray because the power of God just hit and the shaking and everything else stopped of Alzheimer in Arkansas. It was just an environment that was changing environments everywhere. And the, the rumors started to spread. Uh, people started to drive 10 and 12 hours. They just started to come. And I'm just uh, giving you a little appetite of how easy. So in the next moment, people were coming all over. And they were bringing the sick people. And we were in this present and glory realm. One of the stories I wanted to share was uh, one guy named Stephen. He was playing the guitar. And as he was up there playing guitar, again, one of those moments, the glory came into this place. All of us was out. We were just there with him the best thing about God is God not what he does and we were all just with him and we were being overwhelmed by him we were becoming overcome by him we were just we knew we were in a place that none of us wanted to mess it up there was almost like a fear of God we could hardly move and 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 at time periods we were trying to figure out what to do but the best thing we could do was to do nothing the whole worship team was out. So first I thought, okay, let's see if I can get somebody to worship. But the worship team was just laying on the floor. And then Stephen, he is a handsome at that time, but I think he was 41 years old. I mean, he was totally undone. But when he came out, his face, he looked like a ghost, like he had seen a ghost. So I thought, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So maybe what I can do is, let me try and interview him. But he said, no, I can't talk. And he just walked out and I say wow that was not very nice (laughs) I didn't understand so I couldn't value what was going on and later on the next day I got to meet with Steve and he told me the story well I was out but nobody knows this I've gone to Zozo many many times and restoring the foundation and many other inner healing but he said when I was in high school my uh, high school girlfriend she became pregnant and he said uh, I actually paid and pretty much forced her to take an abortion this is before I was saved. Later on, a year later, I got saved and broke up with that relationship. And then I met eventually the one that I'm married to today. 
And then as a result of what was taking place, and a reason I'm sharing this story is for one person in this room. So that's why I'm just flowing in the spirit. But anyway, so Stephen, uh, he was saying, as I was laying down the floor, all these things became fresh with me because I have three amazing sons that are teenagers, but I knew I should have had a daughter. And that daughter would have been about 24 years old today. But he said, I didn't have a daughter. And the reason we aborted her, I even have a name for her. And uh, he said, when I was laying on the floor, in the next moment, my spirit just was taken up. And I met Jesus. And he took me and he took me. And there was this big door. And it has like this circle handle. And he opened it up. And he says, I, I want to take you into a very beautiful place. And it was like a ballroom in heaven. And he says, I, I want to introduce you to somebody. There is Melissa. This is your daughter. And this gorgeous daughter with a white dress came up to him. And he just said, I'm so sorry. And she says, it's okay, daddy. I love you. Will you dance with me, dad? And they danced and they danced and they danced in heaven. But when his spirit came back to his body again, what years and years and years of therapy never was able to change. This one encounter changed. And the word was, you can come up here as often as you want to. Just come up here as often as you want to. And he was like, uh, it, it just suddenly transforms something. And I'm just saying that, I don't know why, but here we are, a small group of people in a state with a lot of, I think a state where a lot of movements has been started, a state very much of a need for a new move of God's Spirit. But I'm just telling you, we were just thinking, my friend uh, Jeff Jansen, that some of you know who has books and speaks and does TV, Jeff Jansen was up in Wisconsin. I didn't know him at the time. And I just had my cell phone up and the power of God hit 700 people in Wisconsin. We are in Des Moines, Iowa, or Ankeny, Iowa. So you just other ones in Norway, power of God just hit. And it was just, you could just think about something was done deal. There's a prodigal son, methamphetamine, 15 years. You just start to think about it. And he came running back home and repenting and ran to the altar. The mother is just sitting there praying for him. It was just a different environment. And we were going from morning to night. And this was going on. And eventually I, I knew that, I don't know if I can handle this anymore. Because I knew that the season had to shift from a superstar. I was kind of the one that hosted it. And uh, it was a time uh, God TV spread it and other ones was talking about it. The rumors was there. And, and we, we were going to rent, rent a big stadium and a Coliseum because people were coming from all over. It was a glorious time. But I felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to just to shut it down. This is just a visitation. I want you to prepare for the habitation. I, I, I want you first to raise up a culture where this can be going on 24-7. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where you will burn oil of intimacy with your lover. So that you can burn brightly like the burning bush without burning out. So I realized, but I saw so much inner healing. And I've seen it again lately. Something is stirring my spirit because I was thinking about it for the first time. If God shows up and chooses to, sh it's, it's not on God's end. I don't know. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants to. But God is just waiting for, can, can somebody build me a place? We're not about a building, but can somebody build a culture? Can somebody build me a place of habitation where I can live? Can we have somebody can steward where there is no super stars they're superheroes and that is the ordinary people that just represents him and it doesn't matter almost who prays 
or who touched us. Actually, the greatest miracles that was taking place in those meetings uh, was the kids, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old kids. That was my prayer team. Parents was trying to get them to go home. Actually, we had a miracle that took place also right the year before. That was Renee, the greatest miracle I've seen in America. Because Renee was in an accident. She was paralyzed from pretty much from her chest and down. She couldn't move her fingers or arms or anything else. And we have been praying and praying. The whole community, you know, for seven years. She has been to every meeting. Benny Hinn. She was with Bill Johnson, Randy Clark, and myself for five days for us to pray for her in Minnesota. And she had been everywhere. And she had a long list why she has not been prayed. And I asked her, I said, Renee, what would you like Papa God to do for you? And she said, I, I want him to heal my orphan spirit. And I realized that uh, I had been preaching about the orphan spirit, but she just... After you've been prayed for so many times, it didn't happen. It seems that it happens for somebody else, but somehow almost felt like a second-class citizen. And I just started to minister just to the root area in her life because here is what's connected. I'm just sharing a little heart-to-heart here now, but because often the very root fear you have in your life, like Job says, the very thing that I fear came against me. We're often focusing on what the devil was doing. But why was it that the devil had access? You can say, well, it was a context between God and the devil. And have you considered? Actually, it's God that takes up the whole conversation. Hey, have you considered my servant Job? I mean, he's the most righteous man on the earth and the richest. I mean, this guy had it all figured out. But it was one black hole in his soul, one root issue he had. And it was a root fear. And I believe that the root fear for Job was that he loved God. And you can see that very clearly. Even though he slay me, I will trust him. He even loved the people, his enemies, and no matter what happened to him in his horrific state. But why is it that the enemy had an access to torment him in such a horrific way? Because there was a root fear. And he says, the very thing I fear came against me. It was rooted in chapter number two, fear. And that's why it's so important to get perfect love into the root fear in our life because perfect love casts out fear so that we are motivated out of love because the enemy doesn't know what to do with lovers. All he needs to do is to push the button of fear in our life so we move into the wrong chair. And we're going to look at that for a few moments. But anyway, back to Renee. So Renee is there in the wheelchair. And, and, I, and I'm honest about it. I, I didn't have a whole lot of faith. It was late that night. And I, I would rather be in the hotel room. I prayed for a lot of people. And we had seen some healings and maybe a few miracles. But I was tired. And I was thinking, finally. And it's like you've gone, done this one line and then the next line and the next line. And then you come down and you're thinking, oh, I'm ready to go home. And then suddenly you see two wheelchairs that comes up. One with cerebral policy and the other one was Renee. On the left side, I never forget it as long as I live. And I knew it was not just to pray a quick prayer and then leave. So during this time with Renee, I just spent some time and a few of the kids was with me and 90% of the people had left because it was late. The meeting was over. I had been over for about an hour, hour and a half. We'd just been praying and ministering. And then uh, I said, Renee, you don't know how much Papa loves you. I wish you could see what Papa sees in you. And I started to release a baptism of love and liquid love to touch the deepest root area in her life. And you're not an orphan. You are a beloved daughter. And your Papa, he is crazy about you. And it is his will for you to walk. It is his will that you're going to dance again. 
And I just started to speak some other things. And that sounds like, well, that's good, nice, charismatic language to encourage somebody. But it was something. But I, I broke into tears, put my arm around her. And I just felt if this was my daughter, Lila, I know what I would do. Lila is my oldest of my daughters. How much more love, Papa, do you have for Renee than I have? So I said, all I can promise you, Renee, I don't have a whole lot because my faith level is like this and your faith level is like this. It's not very helpful when you give me a list of everybody that has prayed for you and it didn't happen, including myself. That doesn't lift my faith level. So I, I need a little help here, Renee. My faith level is low and yours low, so I'm just going to ask for a very little thing. And, and can I be honest with you? When I looked at her body sitting in the wheelchair and her hands as, as she was sitting there, I, I was looking at her body to see what is the easiest. So I said, Renee, what is it that you cannot do? Can you move your fingers at all? She said, no. And then I said, one look easier than the other. <laughs> I know everything is the same for God, but that's just my way of thinking. It's like sometimes a headache is easier than a quadriplegic. So anyway, so here it was more like, okay, uh, it, it takes, I have enough faith to believe maybe a little movement with a finger that she has not experienced before. That's all I prayed. And some word of faith people will arrest me. And, and I had one person that says, why didn't you just command her to stand up? I said, why don't you? <laughs> I'm just going based upon my faith. I cannot go based upon somebody else. So anyway, so I went there and then I said, Renee, is this okay? You're going to get one sign that you know that God is going to heal you. That's all I'm going to ask for. I, can, I cannot see the whole package, but I can see that one little sign tonight. That's all I have faith for. She said, okay. And it was that right hand, little finger, and I prayed. Nothing happened. Prayed second time, nothing happened. Third time, I commanded. I did everything. And there's healing in the covenant. There's healing in the blood. There's... Your kingdom come, your will be done right now in her fingers as it is in heaven. And there is no paralysis. I mean, we did everything that we needed to do, but it was no movement. By the fourth time, and I'm ready to pray again because I'm not going to leave. I'm going to be there all night just to see this thing. And then suddenly she started to move a little bit. And my faith went, boop. And her faith went, boop. And I say, Renee, do you believe that God is tired? And she said, no, no. Should we pray again? And she said, yes, let's ask for your whole hand. And this was a process. After process, she was able to do the whole hand. Oh, this is awesome. Do you think that God is tired? No. And then the rumors started. Some of the people started to take pictures and send it around and say, Renee is about, the miracle is about to happen with Renee. Come back again. I heard about one family that left the meeting. They were at Applebee's, put $50 in tip, ran back again to the church. Forgot about the food. The food was coming. Pay for the food. Here's $50. We have to go to church. Everybody knew about Renee in the community. High school athlete in the best shape that certainly have a car accident. And now seven years. Everybody been watching. And that nurse, even that morning, she said, one day nurse, she said to the nurse, I'm dreaming about that. I'm going to jump up of this. And then I'm going to say, let's go and get an ice cream. That has been a dream she had for seven years with a nurse that was cleaning and bathing her. And I'm just talking about, uh, to a certain degree, it's worth it. 
And then, uh, anyways, the story with Renee is, after a little while, we went for the other hand, and that happened, and her, she was able to lift up here, and then here, and then above her head, and then afterwards, some movement, and then some bending, and before you know, it was the first, it was about an hour into it, I said, let's see if you can stand. I put my hands on her legs, and I said, Pastor Dave, put your hands here, and feel what's happening now. And you could feel the creative miracles going up and down, strong waves going up and down underneath your hand. We did that for a little while. I said, let's see if you can stand up. I'm going to help you and hold on. Now she has arms and hands and she's holding on. And eventually she stands up and she takes the first step. And second, I'm holding and I'm walking her up and down, holding on to me. And people were crying and they started to call family members. They started to call it around. The rumor starts to straight. Renee, something is about to happen. One hour and 45 minutes from the time we started, Renee is running all around. I'm running full speed. Kids chasing after her. We, We have some little videos of it. It was just enormous. The whole place exploded. And at that moment, we could have had revival. And it was just starting. And I'm just talking about that was just one story. My friend Randy Clark, I went down to Phoenix, Arizona. And they said it was the most powerful meeting they had seen that year. And that was during the time of Lakeland. And Randy had been to Lakeland. But he said, no, this was the most powerful. It was just amazing things that was taking place. And, and I'm just saying that a God is so hungry to be able to meet his sons and daughters where they have learned to have a culture that can be able to host heaven. And I, I have a longing. Uh, there's been something in me. I have seen it all over the world today. In 22 countries, I have it. And in 12 places in America, we are building it. And it's connected to these three cheers. And that's why I have a, uh, these cheers. And I'm going to do about 15 minutes just to clarify a little bit for some of you. Because the first thing I did yesterday. And how many of you were here yesterday? Okay. How many of you were not here yesterday? Okay. Let me just give for the, the 10, 15, 20 of you. Every single person in the world are living the life out of one of these three chairs. The chairs symbolizes and it's a picture of actually, it has to do with a worldview, what glasses you have on. If you're living your life in chair number one, you are saved. Say the word saved. If you're living your life in chair number two, you are saved. Say the word saved. And if you're living your life in chair number three, you are lost. Say the word lost. What I said yesterday, but it's hard because of some of a culture context. I said that chair number one is the chair of commitment. And it is, but let me explain it. Say commitment. What I talk about that is chair number one is all about covenant relationship. It is all about relationship. It is not duty. It is delight. There's actually that two people are becoming one. So there's a covenant with God and a covenant with one another. It's very important because all the kingdom, if you're going to study the kingdom, and if you want kingdom family, it's all about covenant. Say covenant. I mentioned yesterday chair number two is a chair of compromise. And it is a chair of compromise. But it is also a chair when we're saying that it's about convenience, convenient relationships. So the people that are living here, it's kind of a touch me, bless me, fill me. I like this. And if not, I go to another place. If you don't do what I want or if I don't like the song or somebody offended me. And so that's why we have 486,000 churches that looks like orphanages. That orphans are coming together and they are hoping for visitation. Now and then they visit this chair 
And the chair number one is where the supernatural is natural. In chair number one, you are hearing God's voice. In chair number one, you are seeing God's face. In chair number one, you are feeling his love. In chair number one, you're living in his presence. And you're living from his pleasure. Say pleasure. Because he is well pleased with you. The Garden of Eden is delight. But this is the gospel of salvation. Here, in this chair, you're living for God instead of from God. Here you are doing. It's about doing. Here it's about being. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. Here is all about achieving. This is all about receiving. Because freely I receive, freely I give. Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I can give to you. This is all about beholding, because what you're beholding, you're becoming. And what you're becoming, you're releasing and you're changing environment based upon the environment you're living in. The major thing you will find out with chair number one, you're living your life like you have a home. Say home. That means you have a place of security. Say security. Uh, there's a place of love. Say love. Where you receive love and you give love. It is a place of value. Say value. It is also a place of purpose where you find your purpose here. Say purpose. As a beloved son and daughter, you have a purpose. Say purpose. And then there is affirmation. Say affirmation. That means that Papa speaks to you and says, Ah, that's my girl. That's my boy. You're being affirmed by the Father. Anointed by the Spirit. There's maybe leading into the wilderness to be tested, but you're coming out of the wilderness full of the Spirit. And then you say, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me. And you got some good news where there is bad news. You got oil of gladness where there is sadness. You got healing where there is sickness and disease and etc. So I'm saying that just to set up a framework for, because what God, what I am interested in, is how can we create right now? And I'm interested in two, three things to put together now as a framework. Uh, chair number three, the people are lost, by the way. Say lost. What I mean with that is that the people that are living this life, if they were to die, they will not go to heaven. And there's just another alternative. And it is not very pleasant. Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by Him. So if you're looking at one and a half billion Muslim, 600 million, Hin- uh, 600 million Buddhists, a billion and 50 million Hindus, and you look at the majority of America, let me just take this to a greater challenge. The church in Ephesus started with revival when Paul came in chair number one. Say chair number one. But then after a little while, you can read in the book of Revelation, they had left their first love. They had left Chernobyl 1. And he says, I I want you to remember where you came from. Say Chernobyl 2. So now you have a lukewarm, now you have a church in Chernobyl 2 that are talking about the love, but they are not experiencing the love. They are talking about the power, but they are not experiencing the power. They have become powerless. They are talking about the miracles and the signs and the wonder, what happened, and, and it was part of their history, but it is not connected to their daily walk. But then their kids that is raising up, that is the Chernobyl 3, don't believe at all. So we have a whole unreached people group in America, especially the young people. They're coming from homes where the parents has been in chair number 
two. And when there have been around parents in chapter number two that are seeing that they are talking to talk but not walking to walk. When it comes to the belief system between these two chairs, there is big difference because this person is a believer. He is saved and he's going to go to heaven. And often his view when you are here is that at the focus is I do the best that I can and then eventually hopefully God is going to be pleased and then he's going to rapture me out if that's before or middle or after the tribulation or depending on view they have. And then God is going to punish this world. But I'm so glad I got the ticket because I walked the altar. That has been. And this is the gospel that I bought into. And let me just help because of some of the other people. Here's the theology that led to this. And I want you just to help me just for these few minutes to put the framework. Because I have plenty of time. I'm going to use another 30 minutes. Then I can build on the things that I was sharing that was on my heart. And that is, here it is. I believe. Everybody say this. I believe. I believe. So in chair number two, you believe. And we know that it is by faith that you, it is by grace, but also faith alone that you are saved. So it is by believing that Jesus Christ is Lord and confessing with your mouth. So believing, say, I believe. I believe. Then I behave. Say, I behave. I behave. Then I belong. This is how we created this system. It's called the gospel of salvation. And the gospel of salvation is part of the gospel of the kingdom. But it is not the gospel of the kingdom. It's not the gospel that Jesus preached. Jesus says, repent, chair number one. The kingdom is at hand. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom. Jesus was a kingdom preacher. Because he wanted to represent a kingdom, the rule and the reign of the king and his domain in every area. His focus was not for people just to raise their hand, let's see how many numbers, and let's see if they can get to heaven. Because the best thing that could happen with us in Chernobyl 2 is that the moment you get saved, is that something will happen to you so that you will go to heaven. Because it is much better to be there than here. But there is a purpose why we are here. And that is that we are supposed to rule and reign together with him. He wants sons and daughters of glory. He wants a family. He wants to restore Eden. He wants to be able to see that his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we pray in the Lord's Prayer. But when you pray from chapter number two, you say, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's just a rhetoric, a prayer, because Jesus told me to do it, not expecting a whole lot. But while you are here, it is my Papa, your Papa, our Father, sons and daughters. You cannot pray that without a sonship or daughtership. It is my Papa, your Papa, our Father. We honor your name. We're going to see your kingdom, the rule and the reign of the king. We're going to see heaven on earth. We're going to see your kingdom come in my life, in my body, in my finances, in our relationship, in our church, in the Bay Area. We're going to see the rule and the reign of the king and his domain. It's going to come and his will is going to be done right here, right now on earth as it is in heaven. What's in heaven is supposed to be here on earth. This is not my home. I'm just visiting America. I have a Norwegian passport. 
But I'm not Norwegian in that sense. Yes, I'm a citizen and I'm a permanent resident. I've been in America for many, many years, married to an America, and I could have been a citizen long, long time ago. But heaven is my home. I'm a visitor here and I'm an ambassador of heaven towards earth. And there are some of us that we have been away from our home too long. That's why we need this encounter just to be able to go back again to our home now and then. Because some of these ambassadors, they've been away from America too long. If they've been in Libya or somewhere else serving and representing this country and this system that it's time for them to go home so they can see what a home is all about because the culture where they're at can affect them that's why it's important for us to be seated with Christ in the heavenlies on a regular basis to be able to have heavenly encounters so that we constantly are aware of what is our real home. Eternity in channel number two starts at the moment when you get saved. But here, as I'm saying, and then what you think it is when I die, then that's when eternity is going to go. So excuse me, eternity then starts at the moment when I die. But here is actually, chair number one is, eternity starts at the moment when you get born again. Jesus who is eternal lives in you. Nothing can stop you. Nothing can kill you. They can kill your body. But at that moment, wow, say wow with me. At that moment, I am just going home where I came from. And my, my assignment was complete. So no matter what, it is an upgrade. People think differently from a chain number one. And all I am interested in is to raise up a culture in chain number one that can learn how to host heaven, that knows how to honor like they do in heaven. Do you know how the culture of heaven looks like? If you ask the Father, if you ask the Father, who is the most, who is the most important? Let me ask you the question. Who is the most important? The Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? All five of you got right. (laughs) It depends who you ask. If you ask the Father, He points to the Son. If you ask the Son, He points to the Father. If you ask the Son, He points to the Spirit. If you ask the Spirit, He points to the Son. The Son points to the Father. It's constantly a reflection. It's called the culture of honor. And honor is what love looks like. Nobody cares who gets the credit. This is chain number one. So honor becomes the super glue that keeps this culture in place. How does it look like? Because when the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty and freedom. Heaven is a place of freedom. How does it look like to have freedom here on earth? The same freedom because people are looking for freedom. But we know the story as you're driving down the highway. Well, I feel pretty free. Let's put on. A, and then you see there's a blue light down there. You put on the brakes. Why? Law. Because there's punishment. You need regulation and everything else. But what God wanted to do was to put the spirit on our heart so that we can navigate. If you love God and you love people like you love yourself, so you receive love. And then as a result of that, that is the navigation system. It is called love. And in chair number two, you can live by the love of law. Or here you can live by the law of love. There's two ways of living, and here you're going to try to follow the rule, do the right things. And if I do all those different things, because you will always live from measure. Here you will always live from fullness. Here you're living towards inheritance. Here you're living from inheritance. All that I have is yours. How does that look like? 
Here, when you're looking at sickness and disease, you see it as a problem. Here, you're seeing it as a promise. Here, you will see, wow, that is that terrorist Saul. Here, you will say, wow, that's the apostle Paul. He just doesn't know it yet. Because you don't treat people based upon their history, but their destiny. I mean, I know this kind of a thinking can lead to dancing, so be careful. So there's all these things that is in heaven that God wants to get here on earth. He is not so focused on just getting us to heaven. He's interested in how does it look like when heaven invades earth. And this has been part of the kingdom program. But we have to reprogram ourselves. That God is very interested in this place. That's where he's placed you and I. Sons and daughters of glory. Creation is moaning and groaning. Romans chapter 8. For the very manifestations of the sons and the daughters of God. Where are the sons? Where are the daughters? And instead they find orphans. While the theology in this chair. Is I believe. Say I believe. I belong, I behave. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. So here you're waking up with an A+. Heaven is very attracted to the Christ in you. Christ within you, the hope of glory. And it is an incredible potential because he is omnipotent. There's a heaven full of resources available for each one of us. But what we have to do is to renew our mind. We have to change our furniture. There's all this pollution because we've been on this planet earth for too long. And then we are starting to look more on a curse way. But let me just give you an example with women. A lot of the churches and the system, and I came from a conservative theology. And I know that's surprising to some of you. I went to Baptist, Southern Baptist College, Southern Baptist Seminary, and then I have a few other degrees afterwards from different schools, but mainly in the evangelical realm. And uh, I'm still an evangelical, but I'm an empowered evangelical. But what I wanted you to see is that when I went to our school, well, my school and all of the training and everything else, nobody, everything was how you can in the best way here from this chair trying to set up certain system that was going to work. They never taught me about the kingdom. They didn't taught me about being a son with a dove, with the Holy Spirit, to change environments. They, they didn't think, they tell me how to be a thermostat Christian. Instead of a thermometer that goes around and says, oh, the temperature is looking pretty bad around in the Bay Area. Did you watch the news? No, you're coming into the equation. Change the temperature when you step into the equation. The problem was not how many homosexuals we have. And you maybe heard it before, but I'm just rattling off because I'm in a good mood. <laughs> I'm going to kingdomize you before it is over. But I have a purpose with it. In the last 10 minutes, I will kind of land this and make it a little bit more. Not so much preaching. But I'm just, I don't know if you know, but I'm excited about it. But I had somebody that sat with me in Orlando three days ago. I was with a CEO meeting and a young up-and-coming superstar was very provoked about the ISIS and what was going on and other issues. And they were drilling me and asking me the different questions. And he talked about, what about judgment then? You talk so much about love. What about the judgment? Because God is also a judge. He's not going to handle it. And you're right. 
God is a judge. I totally agree with you. It's just not right now. Right now, it's a, an opportunity for the whole world to be able to experience the goodness and the kindness of God in such a way that it's going to lead to mass repentance. In Luke 15, when the prodigal son who had violated everything that you can violate, when that prodigal son, he is not coming home after he took, wasted everything, took from his father the inheritance, wasted it in every kind of a sin. He didn't come home to repent. He came to negotiate with his father so he could have a better place to live. But while he is still in his mess, father runs towards him. And it was not before the father's love touches him that repentance took place. And it was transformation that took place. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, uh, here is the question, and my friend Bill Johnson, I know, have mentioned this often, and I totally agree with him. If we take the five cities in America that is in the worst shape, and you guys are living in one of those regions and area, if you do an average study in a church and say, which are the five cities that deserves the most judgment? San Francisco. This is what churchianity says, not chair number one, not me. I disagree. I agree with God. San Francisco, Hollywood, Las Vegas, New Orleans, New York City. Those are the five cities that the churches in America says deserves the most judgment. Let me just challenge you because in John 20, 20 and 21, here you're seeing Jesus breathing on his disciples, uh, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, if you, if you, if you, if you. Forgive the sins of any, I will forgive them. But if you hold against them, I will hold it against them. It's called a minister of reconciliation. It means actually what Abraham showed in the Old Testament. When there is two sinned, two cities because of the perversion and everything else. God says because he is a holy God. This is the old covenant. We are living in a much better covenant. But in the old covenant, let's just use that as a picture for some of the ones that thought I forgot about the Old Testament. Because I love the Old Testament. But even in the Old Testament, I want you to trace. I could trace the heart of God throughout the whole place. This is how I learned in the Baptist from chair number two, the way to look at this. God is angry at it. He's angry and he's going to judge the homosexuality. We better pray. We better get together, people, in chair number two. And see if we beg and beg and see if God will show mercy. Well, actually read the scriptures again and look at the whole story. And when the negotiation starts with Abraham, the question was not how perverted and how much darkness it is. All God is interested in, how many lights do I have? The question is, how many righteous do we have? It's not the problem, it's not the city of San Francisco. But I know that there's more than 50 righteous, 40 righteous. But what if? Not 30, 20, 10. Now you start to touch my heartstring. My question is, Abraham, when this stopped, this is old covenant. The new is so, so much better. But just even in the old, if we wanted to stay there for a moment. What if Abraham came in and said, what if there's only one? I know what they deserve. Can you put that on me? I'm your friend, God. And I'm standing between the sinners and you. That's what we do in Minister of Reconciliation. Every single one of us have that role. To be minister of reconciliation. So I represent God before the people. And I represent the sinners and the people before God. 
That's what intercession and the minister of reconciliation. What if he had stepped in and said, if there's only one, one left, me. I know I'm a friend of yours, God, but all the perversion and all the things, can you place that up on me so all those guilty people can become free? What if that were to happen? What do you think that God would do? Well, I know the answer to that because there was a righteous one that came. With a terrorist, Barabbas, Barabbas, the murderer and everything else, let him free. Yeah, but he is guilty. He's a murderer and this, and, that, and this man is innocent. We can find no wrong with a man. John 17, 26. Father, Father, I have declared your name among them, and I will declare it, that the very love, Father, that you have towards me, that love is going to be in them, and I in them. This perfect love, Father, that you have towards me, that love, Father, that you will be willing to send me from heaven to come down to earth to become sin so they can be righteous. Do you think that's going to be in each one of us before Jesus comes back? It is the unanswered prayer of Jesus. And I'm telling you one story that is about to wreck you and me. For seven years, I've been looking at that verse. It's John 17, 26. The last part of the high priestly prayer. But there's something there that I still, I've been studying the verse, but I didn't know the verse was studying me. I was trying to get the verse, but I didn't know that the verse is about to get me. And there is a big difference because you teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. You first get a message, but it's not before the message gets you. And there's no longer difference between you and the message that there is impartation. I got a call from Lahore, from this Islamic organization connected to Saudi Arabia, Sunnah Muslim, and it is more a radical stream of Islam in regard to like the Wahhabism. There's about 37 million of them in Pakistan, and this is the top leader. I was invited to coming in, and I've known this leader for many, many years. And some of you have seen some of my video, and you will recognize one of the guys on the video. This is a more an old and elder. He's part of the, what they call also the Islamic Ideology Council. That means that he's in a top eldership role of protecting Islamic law. They can remove away presidents and leaders in nations. Because on the top is Islamic law. I'm not going to complicate this. But anyway, in this meeting, I had Dr. Bob Phillips, who I just talked to. And some of you maybe know the name. He was the co-founder of the Times Square Church with David Wilkerson. He was the pastor of the pastors in the Brownsville Revival. And then he ended up in Encourager Church. And now he's kind of a semi-retired. But he was with me and a couple of other key leaders and I said, uh, I need to go and see this gentleman. And as we were there with all these imams, he said that he called me Dr. Leaf. He said, my name is Leif, by the way. And I said, Dr. Leaf, I am so sorry that I cannot offer you any better food because hospitality is very important for Muslims. And especially it's royalty treating royalty and they have a high value. If you have been like a Joseph, a son to Pharaoh, you get treated differently. So he was just felt the dishonor that he couldn't prepare when he knew that I was coming, but he was so wounded and he was so down because his son, uh, during the Islamic Congress, they were preparing some of these lights. He fell down about 18 feet, broke his neck and become a quadriplegic, but also he ended up on ventilator and it was a ventilator that kept, uh, kept him on his life. And I was just, Father, I, I was grieved. I knew his son and I know a lot of his family. 
for all these years since I met him in 1999, we've been on a journey together. So I've been loving on them and ministering. So I said, would it be okay if I pray? And I had enough favor for me to pray in that room with all the imams and our team. So I said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just release, I command, create a miracle. I know the love you have. And I minister, in that room, I minister and release. But still, I didn't feel. Afterwards, we drank a little chai, had some biscuit. Chai is tea. You had some tea with milk and sugar like England. And then when we were finished, we jumped in the van and I said, could we drive to the hospital? And I don't want to mention his name because if it gets online, but uh, would it be okay to go to the hospital and see your son? And uh, he was gracious for me to be able to go there. And with the guards with machine guns, we went up into the room. My team had to wait downstairs. And I saw this boy on ventilator, pretty much a vegetable. And I thought, wow, God, here you have an opportunity. God, I mean, if a creative miracle happened now in the front of them, This is going to explode. That was my way of thinking. But God thinks differently. So I prayed and I stood on the word and had faith. But after a while, I just realized all I could do was to encourage. The present was there, but nothing happened. There was no signs. And I was grieved. I had tears in my eyes. I tried to hold it back because you don't show emotion in that culture. So I was just leaving and, and then eventually... After spending a little bit of time with them, we headed off to the airport. We flew to Islamabad. And when we got to Islamabad, we took a taxi. Got well, Actually, we had our driver, but with a taxi also to took our luggage that took us in. And we went into Marriott, which is a safe place where you can actually sleep without having bombs because they have such a security. There's four levels of security to get to you. The reason I'm giving you the details, I'm in a safe environment. So finally now, you can rest after two weeks without constantly, minute by minute, wondering when there's going to be a bomb or a gunshot or somebody stabbing you or doing something. But again, I sat at the breakfast table the next morning after little sleep that night, and all I could think about is this one son, this one son. And it's like, God, if you had just healed that. And then he says, do you remember John 17, 26? I say, yes. Father, Father, I have declared your name among them, and I will declare it. That the very love, Father, that you have towards me, the love, that perfect love that the Father would send his only begotten Son, leaving heaven to come down and let the terrorist becoming free and let him become terrorized. And that love, you pray, Jesus, is going to be in each one of us. And that's going to create a tsunami wave where the world is going to see where his disciples, because we have learned how to love that way. Uh, I've known that. I've studied this verse for, for many years in every version and every I've had some of the best theologians help me. Is there something I'm missing? I mean, I know the revelation is fantastic, but there's something missing. And then I'm sitting there, and as we are eating, suddenly the Holy Spirit whisper, and he says, Leif, would you take? And at that moment, there's, you have to understand some of the background. Uh, if there's one regret I have in life, I was gone a lot from my children, traveling all over the world, ministering to the needs of of, of the darkest places in the world. And many times I was not there for my wife and kids, if it was ball games or different things that they were doing. Daddy was always gone, or daddy's in the hospital, or daddy broke his neck, or daddy has a body cow. Oh, no, daddy. And, and it, it has been a very tough. There's been a price that has been paid. And so in the middle of all of this, I started to think about my son, Leif Emanuel. He, he has not been living with us for six years. He's 24 now. And we have a great relationship, by the way. I love my son. So I was just thinking, but I just would love to be with my son, Leif Emmanuel. 
kind of tired of being in this environment. I just wanted to be home and be with my family and especially my son. I'm just sitting and thinking. And the Holy Spirit whispered to me. He said, would you take your only son? I have three daughters and one son in the natural. Would you take your only son, Leif Emmanuel? Would you let him trade place with his imam's son to be vegetable the rest of his life with no hope? Quadriplegic so that this imam's son could walk and be free. Would you do that? And first I was like, is this God or not? Second time it came. Third time it came. Fourth time, the same whisper. And finally I said, I, I don't know how to love this way. I just don't know how to love this way. And he says, now you know, John seventeen twenty six. And then while I sat there, this wave of liquid love just came over me. And I just sat there and I just wept and I wept. I said, Father, I cannot give something I do not have. I need to receive it. Chair number one. So waves of this love just came over me. And it was a love that just did something in me. And I've had different upgrades, but I don't know how to love him. Papa was loving on me. And he was pouring this love into me. Fifteen minutes afterwards, we're getting a call from my coordinator. My coordinator's on the phone. And it's in Urdu, their language. And this top imam called, hello, where is Dr. Leaf? <laughs> and my coordinator said, he is here. He's sitting around the breakfast table. We are in Islamabad. We are at Marriott. And he said, okay. Uh, I, I just saw him about 15 minutes ago. He came to my house, visited me. And then he said, he's going to the hospital. And I just called the hospital and they just took my son off ventilator. At that, at that moment, I realized, and God, I still remember the Holy Spirit said, do you know, that is just one drop of this love compared to the ocean of love that is going to be in my body before I'm coming back. When we start to love our enemies, when we see these rich, radical, mad-off, Bernie Madoff, and we see the Zacchaeus and say, hey, let me come into your home and let me have dinner with you. Not talking about what is wrong and how you skim people. You stole my money. You took this from me. You did this and that. Instead, we're just coming in with love. And they get so shocked that love transforms the atmosphere. And afterwards, they break down and get repentant and say, hey, I want to pay back to anyone I've stolen from. I want to follow you, Jesus. I want a person like you. And I'm going to give four times more back. Wouldn't that help Wall Street and all the greediness if we can learn how to love that way? That's what Jesus did. And that's the Jesus in us. That's chair number one way of living. There is an upgrade. God is doing something. He's teaching us to love well. But it's an impossibility for us to love our neighbor if we don't love ourselves. And my question is, what is some of the root issue in your life where you're not comfortable with love, where you're not comfortable with intimacy? We hear the language, but many times what we do is we hear the language from this chair. And then we try, and then it's detrimental again, and we get back into the same performance treadmill. Instead of coming here and saying, Papa, I do not know exactly how to do it, but here I am, your favorite one. Your beloved son, 
your beloved daughter, whom you love and whom you are well pleased. I will ask you to teach me how to love the way that you love, Father. That The father had a dream, but the son had a vision. The father's dream was, I want my sons and daughters back. But the son captured the heart of the father. So the son got a vision. The father was willing for the son to go. But the son was willing to leave his father, leave perfection, leave heaven to come down and go to the most gruesome so that you and I could be restored back again to Chernobyl 1 into fullness, into the kingdom. And then from that very moment on, get an assignment of how to be able to now to restore the kingdom of God in every area of our lives. That perfect love. The love that was between the father and the son. Jesus prayed. The last thing he prayed in that high priestly prayer. That love is going to be in you. That love is going to be in me. And the world will see. Wow. They are his disciples. Look how they love one another. Look. That's how love looks like. Look at the prototype of love. That's what's going to create a tsunami wave that is going to touch ISIL. Just imagine even with ISIS. If this Baghdadi, the leader of ISIS, suddenly have an encounter like Saul had because instead of us coming in with the anger and this and that, because we come from chair number two, and that's what the enemy wants. But instead, what if we could fall in love with him, this evil maniac? And suddenly falling in love and saying, this guy is going to be one of the greatest radical evangelists that the world has ever seen. And the Muslim world will not know what to do with him, because they knew how radical he was for darkness. But look now what he's become for light. And all he said, well, you guys, you know who I was. You know what I was all about. You know that how I was just sending around, cutting off the heads of people. But now I want you to know, Americans, I love you. Jews, I want you to know I love you. And I have a message because Jesus loves me. And then, can you see how the environment changed? But we've stopped thinking like God thinks. And it's time for us to get our upgrade back. I'm interested in you right now. What are some of the areas in your life that is not comfortable with love? Is there anybody here that would like to have an upgrade? Anybody here that don't need an upgrade because we can walk in your shadow afterwards and everybody will be healed. <laughs> Father, I just invite your Holy Spirit to come. I know it's pretty radical, but we heard the stories that there was an environment similar to what we had here. That in that environment, we started to think about things and it happened. Holding up a cell phone and Alzheimer's is gone. Holding up a cell phone and cancer is removed away. Place where somebody just laying on the floor there in the presence, taken up to heaven and gets totally delivered, healed and set free and more than that, they suddenly become a spokesperson of your kingdom. Father, I just ask right now for each one of us. First of all, I ask forgiveness in behalf of anyone that has misrepresented love. If there was fathers or bosses or husbands or boyfriends or girlfriends or whatever. But if there's anyone that has misrepresented love to you. I want to ask forgiveness. Because God is still the Luke 15 God with open arms that wants to run towards you. He doesn't come to condemn. 
He's coming here just for you to receive his love. To not be afraid of nakedness. To not be afraid of intimacy. But for his love to go into the deepest root area of your life. For some of you it's that five-year-old girl. For somebody it's the 12-year-old girl. For somebody it's that 14-year-old boy that is still trying to hit the ball right. But now years later he's still trying to perform. It's different for different ones of us. But can we invite love to going into those deepest root area? Let's just invite the Holy Spirit who is so amazing. Come Holy Spirit. Go deep. Starts to bring healing to wounded hearts. Father, we have hurt so long. Chernobyl two has, we think that's the only lifestyle that we can live. Some of us don't even see the alternative to Chernobyl one. It seems like impossible. No, it's not. It's normal Christian life. Not living for Jesus. But let Jesus living through you. So, Father, I just want to start to release a little bit of that love. Let it just go deep, deep, deep. Because the area in your life that is not comfortable with love, those areas not comfortable with God, because God is love. More. Any of the love deficiency. Father, just take us even deeper, deeper. Be free. Let him love on you. And then I want to, the second thing I just felt in my spirit, this is where I'm at in my journey, so I invite you. I'm not there yet, but I want you to start to love you the way that he loves you. I want you to start to love you the way that he loves you. How much do you love me, Papa? Go deeper. Let us learn how to be kind to ourselves, love ourselves, and let that love go deep. Because often what happens is we have truth deficiencies, and it leads to love deficiencies, and it leads to blessing deficiencies. And what happens many times is that pain seeks pleasure. And all that needed to fix it is for love to going into those deepest root area where we felt we had to perform. We had to have the right grades. We had to have the right jobs. If we did that, then you will feel loved. But it's so different in the kingdom. <laughs> that Jesus was the one that got the grades. He is the one that worked. He did all of that thing and he gave us a gift. <laughs> and now we can wake up with a different gift. So. I just release now freedom from the performance treadmill. Any voices, any looks. Some of you had looks like, well, I'm disappointed at you. Some of the looks, just a look. Sometimes we'd rather have a spanking than getting that look that you don't live up to my expectation. That look. But I ask Papa God that you will give them your look. And it's like, wow, that's my boy. That's my girl. Whoa. Father, just restore Restore, restore. Go deeper. Let a love go deeper. I ask that because love covers over a multitudes of sin. 
Love restores. Love heals. Love makes all things new. So go deep, deep, deep. More. Even some of you heard a story about me and my son, and you said, well, I, I couldn't do that for a terrorist. I couldn't do that for those ISIS. And you even feel some of those different things. Just ask him to give. It's not something you can do. I couldn't do it. It's not. That's just the best that we can do. Just ask him, Papa, can you, can, can you just love me? Whoa. The way that. <laughs> I want to receive that love. It's a gift. Father, we like to become free from ourselves. Whoa. We just like to. Uh, tonight, we're going to really restore peace and joy back into your life as a lifestyle, not just as a visitation. But it starts now with love today, and we're going to go like where we took us a little bit deeper. Whoa. Yes, just breathe in. Whoa. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Mm. We can sense even in the atmosphere here it's like ba da 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 Receive my love, my love, my love. Receive my love, my love, my love. Receive my love, my love, my love. Receive. Oh, shpa mo, oh sha mo. Father, I just release a freedom from all fear. Fearless. No more fear. Because perfect love takes away all fear. And I just also see that the enemy has been blackmailing some of you. There's been people here that are just uh, the enemy. You, you do mistakes, you do stupid things, and then in the next moment, first the enemy gives you a little hook, and then when you bite the hook, in the next moment he blackmails you for doing it. And I'm just going to release you free. Be free in the name of Jesus. When the enemy comes in, oh, you didn't, you, you were supposed to do this. Be free. You didn't live up to the expectation. Be free. Be free. Be free. And I'm just going to release right now. Whoa. There it comes. Go deeper. Every time the enemy is reminding about your past, just remind him about his future.
Thank you, Father, that you, whoa, you're loving on us. I think we can use a few of the moments. I think maybe, could you maybe just do what we, I don't know, do we have the, I'm trying to see here where Todd is. Uh, I just thought by just having some soaking music, but I think it's time for just consecration. And I was just walking around when I feel a certain release of some people and, uh, I don't have to pray for you because he is ministering to you right now. I see it all over the place. There's deep surgeries that is taking place. And it's that hidden core pain. If there's, listen, if there's a black hole in your soul, you've tried everything, but something is still in there that it just, it seems like it sucks. It just pulls from it. And I just sensing there that that, that black hole is going to be stopped. We're going to bring, release some of the light and the glory into that black hole. Come and sing with us. Mm-hmm. 